0: Have you ever wondered to yourself if you should leave or quit something? Maybe you want to leave your job, or quit your degree, or do you even want to leave your own home? The thing is, we all leave things, often not knowing if it was the right decision or not. This podcast talks to people who have made the decision to leave, and each of them have their own unique story, both challenges and triumphs. Some left to try different things, others even return to where they originally left from. My name is Braden Green. And I left university to pursue my radio and podcasting dream. And this is Leavers. If you have tuned into the SANFL in recent times, you may have come across the name of South Adelaide utility Ben Aaron. Like many others in the SANFL, Ben also has a job outside of footy. But before he would go on to start his own business, Ben found himself working for another company. And during this time, Ben faced a struggle that many employees faced during their working life, a lack of job satisfaction and the struggle of facing the 9-to-5 grind. So, on today's Leavers podcast, Ben spoke about what he did to find that burning passion again and start loving work. We also speak about his time on the Sydney Swans AFL list, the pain of leaving the Port Adelaide Magpies, and the life of an AFL elite athlete. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for joining today, Ben, on the Leavers podcast. I really appreciate you, mate.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start where we always start, mate. Why did you leave your job? I guess uh, to give you a bit of background as to what I was doing probably uh, three or four years ago now, I was was working uh, at a a fitness app company where basically my role was to write programs for for people who I was never ever going to meet. It was basically uh, writing, I guess, the same program in a different way each time and and trying to find how can I I write the same, use the same exercises as many times as possible in different ways to, to provide a program for someone potentially on, on potentially in Australia, but also potentially on the other side of the world. And I guess for me, that wasn't the reason why I decided to become a sports scientist, strength conditioning coach. I, I did it to help people, which I believed I was doing at that, that that job, but I wasn't having the direct contact with people face-to-face every day. I wouldn't get the feedback on, on how I was going in terms of my coaching style and my uh, program writing. It was just to basically put something out there, hope it works, See what the numbers look like, and then I guess go again at the same time, the this, this, the same thing next week. So I guess it was a bit, a little bit of sort of each week was the same thing over and over again. And um, I, I wanted to do something that was completely different, and I wanted to use my experience of what I'd I guess gone through in my journey as as being an athlete to help other young athletes I guess achieve what they want to achieve and take their opportunities. So really when we get into that, it's not so much,
0: was there a little bit of nine to five grind in that? Or is it more just, all right, we've got that personal relationship. You sound like a person that wants that relationship in with it. So what do you think was, when we talk about those main factors, was there other things playing into it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like the nine to five grind was definitely, I guess, a, a big issue. That was, that was actually the first nine to five type job that I've actually had. Um, <laughs> it's a bit pre- of a shock to the system. Yeah. Previous to that, I just I'd worked in gyms or uh, footy clubs or places like that where every day was probably different. Like it wasn't the same thing um, every day, day on day after day. And so, that, yeah, there would be times where I'd be sort of looking at the clock going, oh, all right, two more hours to go, one more hour to go type thing. <laughs> I think we've all been through
0: that, mate. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and what and didn't really have the satisfaction of going, I'm absolutely loving what I do and I can't wait to get to work and I don't want to leave. I, I want to do as much as I can. It was kind of like, all right, get in, get the job done, leave and kind of move on to the next day basically. So, yeah, there was, de- there was definitely an element of that
0: is that important to you to actually love your job and like go in every day, like I'm going to make a difference today. This is what we're going to do. You know, some people really get excited and there's other people, they can do a million jobs and they'll never be excited for work. So how important is that to you?
1: Yeah. Extremely important. I I didn't quite realize how important it was until probably I was in that sort of nine to five grind and really didn't, didn't fully when I was growing up, I kind of just thought, Oh, let's just get a job. Let's get the one that pays the most and kind of happy days type thing. But now I've realised if you're gonna spend 40 plus hours a week, five to six days a week, every day, every week of your life, like you want to do something that you, you you enjoy. So something that I I'm really passionate about is helping other people find their passion, whether that is in in sport or as an athlete, or whether that is in their career. And I yeah, it's kind of it kind of took me a while to understand that, but I guess I've come to the realization now that like i think everyone should be doing something they enjoy because you're going to get a lot more out of it and if you're spending so much time on it why do something that you don't enjoy so yeah i wake up every day now and i'm I'm excited to come to work and excited like to be honest i don't even call it work i it's a business that i run but like it to me it's not work it's just a part of my life and what i do so it's not, it's not even work to me
0: yeah we're going to get onto that a bit later so i'm really interested to to dive into that so when you've made that decision to leave, then so you've made so you were the program coordinator, correct? So you leave. Were there times where you changed your mind and you just thought, you know, no, look, it's secure anyway. You're making money anyway. I know it's not what I really want, but it's something. It's it's, it's sort of like that. Well, did that ever come into your mind?
1: Oh yeah, of course. And it was probably, oh, probably a three month period that it took for me to actually finally make that decision. Really? Um, so I guess I was I was having discussions with. Todd who's the guy that I eventually started the business with about starting up something with him but I guess it was the whole the whole uncertainty of oh it's starting up a new thing you know we don't have a lot of money to put into it we don't really have anyone to come into it straight away how's it actually going to go and then you have all the added pressure of family and friends going oh like you're crazy if you're going to do that you know going out there starting something new and when you've got a good paying job already like It's pretty, there's pressures from from outside sources to to just kind of stick to what you're doing and and really it took a lot of effort, time and energy to actually finally come up with the decision to go, actually, no, I'm going to step away from this and I'm going to start my new journey. How hard
0: is it to defeat those pressures, mate? Because a lot of people go through this every day and I imagine if you're listening to this podcast now, you may even be going through that. So how did you get around that? Is it just pure determination? What is it?
1: Yeah, uh, like it, it was definitely hard, and when you have, I guess, uh, people such as as family and and friends who are they they care about you and they want to they want to oh they want what's best for you, or what they think is best for you. Yeah, it, it is quite a difficult decision. I guess the way that I dealt with it was I, I kind of looked at what would, what did I actually want to achieve in life and what what brought me the most happiness, and I guess at the end of the day it came down to do I want that more than what I guess having to do with the pressure of people saying, um, why are you doing this type of thing? Yeah. I, I guess like a lot of people out there probably have parents or, or uh, spouses or whatever who are going, who are telling them, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Whereas sometimes you just kind of got to block that out and go, well, this is actually what I want to do. Um, I'm going to do this for me and not worry about what other people are saying. Sometimes you got to take a risk. Sometimes it might pay off. Sometimes it might not, but, yeah. I think you just got to understand what you actually want in life and and not think about trying to please other people or yeah, make other people happy. <laughs> think about what's going to make you happy and and ultimately where what's going to get you to where you want to go in life.
0: Nice, mate. That's, that's a really positive like way to look at it and it's really I, I bet you're really proud of making that decision as well. So I guess in that case, did you ever regret leaving your job? Because you sound really happy with what you've done, but were there any regrets at some point? Like, Especially because we always hear about the first month, this can be really hard for people when they're starting new things, starting new businesses. Was there any regret that you went, no, I should,
1: why did I uh, leave this? <laughs> no, nah, to be honest, I don't think I've I've really had any regret because as soon as I started doing what I'm doing now, I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do and this is where I wanted to be. And, there's days where it's hard and it gets long and maybe things aren't going the way that you want them to go but at the end of the day i'm doing something that i'm passionate about ultimately it's up to me in terms of what i want to get out of this how much effort i want to put into it is going to help me get what i want out of it so basically yeah, i guess it's my own destiny my destiny's in my own hands and i have the ability to if i want to work and and make sure that i'm doing everything that I want to do that I can actually get the results out of it that I want rather than sort of working for someone else and, I don't know, just getting there and rocking up and doing what I have to do, going home and then yeah. restarting in the next day.
0: So what was the first thing once you did when you left your job? You know, what's that first thing? Because you've, you've gone now, you've left, um, I suppose that security about it and it's always that big decision of going, all right, this is the new direction I want to do. What's the first thing that you think of? Is it simply creating a business? Is it making little goals for yourself? What do you do?
1: Well, I guess it wasn't really because it because it wasn't like a all right I'm going to do it straight away type thing it was a a bit of a process for as i said about, probably about 3 months where we were having a lot of discussions around what we were going to do how we we're going to do it is it going to work yeah um so i guess it was identifying what we needed to do um in order to be successful and then putting in place things such as all right well we're trying to train athletes so we need a space to train them in so we need to find that first off all right then how are we going to go about getting athletes how we're going to do programming how we're going to do this that and the other so i guess it was about planning all that to make sure that we were meant that i was i was quite sure of where we were going in terms of the direction we wanted to head how are we going to do it there's still a lot of questions about that no doubt and it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward process by any means and even today it's not a straightforward process but i really just made sure that yeah, I was certain about the direction we wanted to head, where we wanted to finish up, and yeah. then everything kind of. We talk about the process all the time um, with <laughs> athletes. It's it's not it's not the I guess the end goal that should be the the determinant on how you how well you do or the driver of of what you're trying to do. It should be I guess focusing on the process and making sure that you get all the little things right along the way to really one enjoy the process because ultimately, if, if you're getting to an end goal, like basically get to the goal and, and then what? So yeah. if you haven't enjoyed the process, then I guess how do you need to make sure that you you do that to make sure that you're really understanding what who you are and what you want to achieve and, and then that, that gives you the satisfaction rather than the actual goal that gives you the satisfaction.
0: So on that process then, what would you say to the everyday person? Because we know that athletes really have to focus on the process. What would you say to someone who, I guess – that is a little bit foreign to them but they I mean I think it's actually more similar than they think sometimes a process we all have a process how do you really make a process fun how do you develop a process what, what do you do in a professional sport and uh, even your business now
1: really so I guess our biggest thing that we try and do with our athletes when we talk about the process is we go alright well w- what is your end goal it's good to have an end goal but then what's the steps that are required to get there so I'll give you an example of one that I gave last night at a, a talk I did with a footy club. So, if my goal as a footballer is to become the best defender in the league, yeah, how do I go from just being an okay footballer to becoming the best defender in the league? It, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't I don't rock up one day and then all of a sudden I'm the best player in the league. Yeah, there has to be a step, a process, on, on step by step of how I kind of get there and tick things off along the way. So, is it that I need to win every one on one contest that I'm in, which is because if I win that, every one-on-one contest, that's going to help me become the best player in the league. Yeah. In order to win those one-on-one contests, I need to do maybe 10, 10 minutes of extra bodywork um, training after our session. Yep. And then and maybe before that, I need to do three times a week in the gym where I build up my strength. So that then then you kind of reverse it and go, all right, if I build up my strength, then therefore the 10 minutes of extra training I'm doing is going to be a lot more beneficial because it means I'm not going to lose those one-on-one contests and then I'm going to basically become yeah. the best player in the league hopefully
0: yeah exactly yeah. we all hope to get to that yeah. point it doesn't always happen but yeah i mean that's a good way to look at it i think if you can get your own process right everything really
1: yeah takes- and you can do that with anything in life it doesn't have to just be sport it could be your career if you want to get to a a certain career like actually map out the steps that you need to take to get there don't just think all right well one day i want to be ceo like what are the what are the steps that that you need to take to get there is it you need to do more education is it you need to do more networking or or speak to more people or Take on more courses. What's the process in order to get? Don't think about the end result. Yes, always have that there as the, I guess, the overarching goal. But think about the next step. Think about the next next month. Think about the next sort of three six months. What can you do in in those sort Is it essentially like mini goals. Essentially? Yeah, essentially like I guess there's all these different ways of setting goals, There's the, like smart goals and yeah and all that type of stuff. But so it's a big
0: term, really. Yeah, it?
1: but I guess for us it's it's not necessarily goals, it's more just steps along the process, so that yeah. you all right, now I've completed this step, I'll move on to the next step. so it's developing a system almost to then get you to where you want to get to.
0: So let's really get into your business mate, so how would you come about creating your own business? Talk, talk us about it and what it's about, what you do I mean let's just go through that, man
1: Yeah, so I guess a um, business is called uh, Nexus Sports Performance, where a holistic uh, coaching and education business so we focus on working with individuals uh, with clubs schools teams to to get the most out of themselves with their training whether that's physically or whether that's mentally or even emotionally so we I guess they're the three things we we like to focus on so I guess the way it started was when I was working at my previous job I guess I had someone there who also had a similar sort of situation to me they weren't totally happy with what they were doing we both discovered that we, we liked training athletes we wanted to train athletes especially particularly young athletes and help them yep. so not we don't necessarily train like pro athletes um we we focus more on like the high school age athletes so you're, you're 12 to 17 years years of age because we feel like they're the area that we can have the biggest impact on because yep. we, we train people in the gym yes that is a big component of what we do but it's Probably not the main component of what we do. The main component of what we do is is try and give the athletes the tools to, if there is opportunities coming up. To that, take them. Yeah, exactly. So whether that's through mindset training, whether that's through habit building, uh, even things like uh, mindfulness, um, we try and chuck all that type of stuff in there. So yeah, we we've come, I guess, full circle in terms of we started as just a training business, but then we've now developed more into an education business We're doing a lot more stuff with schools, a lot more stuff with online courses and online platforms and that type of thing, not only the gym space. So on that, what would
0: you say to a young athlete at the
1: moment? I know that's
0: maybe a bit not what we usually do here, but what would you say to a young athlete is the most important thing really when you're in that? Because it's, it's a very important part of your life. I think that 12 to 17 year old bracket, a lot of things are developing. A lot of things are on your mind. Is it a mindset thing? Is it just making sure you get the most out of your body? What What do you think is the most important? I think
1: it's a combination of things. So it, it kind of depends on who you are and where you're at. And for me as a young athlete, I guess the main thing that I probably should have focused more on was probably more on my physical preparation yeah. because I was a very like I was a very tall 15 16 year old very skinny at the time yeah. and then when I sort of hit 17 18 years old I started to put on a lot of weight naturally which then ultimately ended up with me having multiple stress fractures um in my legs uh, which I guess ultimately could have played a big role in me getting further and further in, in, my, in my football. Yeah. And that was due to the fact that I was, I was very, I was, I was afraid of going into the gym when I was sort of 15 or 16 years old. Cause there was these other guys who were like man child and <laughs> stuff who were. Yeah.
0: There's lifting. always, there's one that can lift like a hundred kilos yeah, yeah. and you're on like the 20 of. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and I was, I was very afraid. Like I was, I was very, I guess, self-conscious around that, so I didn't want to go in there and do that with them because then that sort of show me up and I'd be embarrassed that I wasn't doing what I was. Uh, I guess I wasn't doing the weights that they were doing. So it, it, it took a it took a long time to learn that if I had done that physical preparation earlier, well, maybe my body would have been better prepared for then to ultimately not go through the injuries and and whatnot I've gone through in my career and. I might've been, uh, I don't know. I've played a hundred games as an Now I might've, have, might've have played 200 games cause I've missed that many <laughs> games that, um, yeah, it, it's kind of cost me a fair bit through injury, but yeah, I, I, I guess to come back to your question, it's, there's not really a one size fits all type thing. It's, it comes down to identifying where's your biggest areas of improvement. For some people physically, they're actually, they're really good yeah. for, and it might be a bit of mindset training or just habit building. So habit building is key. Like, not only, not only in sport but in life. If you can develop habits that contribute to you having a, a life where things are systematized a lot better and you can, it gives you a lot more, t- I like guess, free time to, to do things you enjoy to, yeah. to I guess, if you, <laughs> if you don't really like what you're doing at work, how can you, I guess, systematize that in a way and build habits around that so that then you can do other stuff outside of it that you like doing? And I guess that's at least focused on a similar thing with our athletes. How did you get past
0: that? embarrassment phase is it because that sounds really difficult especially for young athletes in that age bracket that you're looking at how do you how do you get your mind past that
1: i'd probably say i still probably i'm still not fully past that and i don't think i ever will be um just because of naturally the person i am and probably the personality type i am i'm i'm the type of person who like doesn't like confrontation and 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 likes almost like a people pleaser in a way yeah but i guess it was it came down to the fact of understanding what my goals were in life, and in order to achieve those goals the, the things that I had to do because if I'm trying to achieve those goals, but then my habits aren't I guess pushing me in that direction that I want to go in, then therefore I'm never going to achieve them so sometimes i've I've learned to to put myself out there a lot more and like even even doing this podcast it's it's something that like yeah. I, I, i've I've only recently started doing more of this stuff because I want to I guess learn more about myself about who I am and learn new skills um so Sometimes you have to put yourself out there and, and yeah, sometimes you're going to stuff up, sometimes you're going to fail. But I guess I've now got a mindset of everything's learning. It's not – there's no such thing as failure really. It's about how can I learn from my previous history or previous experiences to then make my future experiences even better.
0: So we'll get into the next part really then because I really want to talk about you've learned from your experience and stuff. So during this period of your life when you're leaving your job and you're really thinking about what you want to do, do you think it actually helped that you were delisted by the Sydney Swans? Because this is a time where athletes such as yourself, I imagine, now have to assess what they really want to do in their life sometimes. And I can imagine that this is a very hard process for most people. I imagine some it may be a little bit easier if they were expecting it. Talk us through that. Did it did it help?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if that hadn't have happened, who knows where I would be today. And I think it's a combination of not only that, but also going through other difficulties in terms of injuries and uh, getting dropped like i remember the year that i came back from sydney i was playing at the port magpies i'm starting the reserves team and then eventually i actually got dropped from the reserves team so Ooh. i've gone six months ago i was on an afl list now i'm playing amateur football like it was a bit again it was that i felt that embarrassment that oh like what what are people going to think about me yeah so yeah i guess it re- it, it really came down to i guess understanding who i was more and what i wanted to do and then using those experiences that i've like i think i think the the injury thing has been what's shaped me significantly a because it's helped me understand patience resilience adaptability like i've had numerous i've had three stress fractures i've had a broken leg i've had two shoulders like i've, I've missed a lot of footy yeah. because of it
0: do you know how many games it would be
1: off the top of my head i probably missed three or four seasons, probably four worth of games. Yes, yeah, that's, um, that's a lot. And and also opportunities in that as well. Like I missed out on playing finals one year because I, I did my shoulder. The, and there's there other times where I've missed, I guess probably missed opportunities because of injuries. But uh, like all of that has kind of shaped what I do today. And everything that I do today is, I guess, about helping young people achieve through learning, through understanding, and I guess through my well, mistakes or experiences or whatever you want to call it yeah. um so that i can then i guess impart my wisdom on them to try and help them not have to go through some of that stuff so that then they can have a bit more success through their journey without having to go through the the lowest of lows kind of like what i've had to go through at times so yeah yeah i guess it's it's definitely shaped who i am
0: this this makes this question a hard one this one how is it being told that you were delisted, what's going through your head at this moment? Because from the outside, from people that are not professional athletes, we we see like we've only seen some recent videos and stuff like that, and how that experience can be, and it it looks devastating, mate. I mean, you're yeah. essentially being told you lost your job. How was it for you, mate? Because I can imagine that would have been bloody hard.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a difficult time, and I guess the thing that probably made it more difficult for me was like I was on a one year rookie contract when I rocked up halfway through the year kind of i got i got injured again prior to that i guess speaking to my manager and stuff they're like yeah no they're loving what you're doing pretty sure you're going to get another year i guess throughout as, as the year kind of got went further and further along it kind of got a little bit like mm, we're not quite sure don't really know yeah. like, you're a little bit injury prone so they're not quite sure and then it came to have my final meeting which is a very intimidating i, I still i remember the meeting in terms of kind of who was in there where it was but i, I couldn't tell you anything that was said in that meeting but that meeting actually well actually sorry i can tell you one thing that they said was (laughs) was um uh we're gonna wait till the end of the trade period to decide whether we're gonna keep you on or
0: not that must be horrible
1: which is about two weeks time yeah so for two weeks i'm kind of sitting there in limbo going oh i hope that i pick someone up who's going to take my spot basically yeah uh, and unfortunately, they did. And then I remember getting the phone call. I was actually down at the beach, just come out of the water, and, and my phone rang, and it was Swans coach John Lawmire. and he's basically going, "Yeah, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, we've picked up this other guy. We thank you for for what you your time at the club, and we think you're going to be a good player. But unfortunately, for yeah. X, Y, and Z reasons, we're not going to keep you on. And I guess that was a time like that time, you kind of don't really know what to do. I was was kind of just. At the end, I hung up the phone and I was kind of sitting there. I'm like, "Oh, now what do I do?" Like, yeah, my life literally had been every moment of my life. I guess in the in the years prior to that had been leading up to me becoming an AFL player, and then I'd never thought about no longer having that. Yeah, so I really, yeah, I was like, well, "What do I do now?" Like for the for the next, for yeah. the next however many weeks? What, what what do I do? I don't have a job anymore. I don't have a I don't have a team I'm playing with anymore. I don't what do I, what is what do I actually have in my life anymore. Like I've got I've got my family and friends and that's basically it. So yeah. and to be fair, that like they were really good and, and they all supported me and I probably just enjoyed myself for for, for the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah, just like went out and hung out with my friends and yeah, did whatever with them for a few months before then going, all right, well maybe I need to actually start looking into a, a career outside of football now. Yeah. So there yeah, then signed up for uni and, and did all that. But yeah it was definitely definitely a tough period and like the phone call like you, it's a phone call that you never want to receive but no at the same time i was kind of i was i was half expecting it but at the same time i was very hopeful that it wasn't going to happen but yeah it's it's hard when someone tells you basically that everything you've ever worked for like we're taking it away from you it's it's not not yeah. easy so
0: on that phone call you had with horse are you believing in what he's saying you know what i mean we think you're a good player is there a part of that was their point where you point where you went no i'm doubting what you're saying here you're just very dumb is it is it anger is it sadness you know what i mean because Um, i imagine actually hearing that point is just like okay this is the coach yeah
1: Yeah. it it probably and again it probably goes back to my own self-belief like i probably i probably didn't challenge like looking back what i think i should have done was in that that meeting with all the coaches is probably challenge them a bit more and probably put my case forward a bit more rather than i Basically, just sat there and they told me what they were thinking. Yeah. um But that was, I guess, a lot down to self belief, and I didn't, I didn't fully believe in myself. And like the fact that I was on the AFL list to me was still like an amazing thing. That I was like, how am I? I don't know. If I'm, I'm sitting next to Adam Goods in the change rooms. Like, yeah. like <laughs> this guy's 300 plus games, um like Brownlow medals. I'm this kid that has just <laughs> been injured for yeah. the last two years and done nothing. So yeah, I guess it was a lot of self belief that wasn't there had i had a conversation similar today i think it would go completely different and i think i'd probably stand up for myself more not that i was getting pushed around but i think i would i'd voice my opinion you wanted to lot. show that you care almost isn't yeah, it yeah is and it like- i guess i guess i'd try to convince them of why they should keep me on rather than kind of accepting what they thought yeah. um so yeah it, it, i think it would be completely different these days
0: does it feel like a lifelong dream is over at this point I mean, because, I mean, it is AFL. I know you were talking. What, did there ever come a point where you went, nah, I'll be back on AFL, this will be right? you know Oh, you yeah.
1: Mean? I spent the next, oh, however many, probably four or five years going, probably two to three years definitely going, oh, I just got to play well and I'll be back on the list. Yeah. Which was, I guess at the time, it was kind of a bit of a reality. If I had played well, there's, there's no reason why I couldn't have got back on the list. But at the same time, there was probably a bit of, naivety yeah i think thinking that the only reason i was no longer on a list was due to injury like yes that played a a massive part but it took me for five six years to really understand that no it, it wasn't that wasn't the only reason if if i if i'd been absolutely meticulous with everything that i'd done if i'd been like the best trainer if i'd been really open to to communicating and getting more feedback and and voicing my opinion, then maybe they would have given me an extra year, and who knows what what could have happened. But yeah. at the same time, I'm I'm very grateful that I got the opportunity, and like it was a massive like I, I grew up, within that. I was 18 years old when I moved to Sydney. Like I've I've gone the first 17 years of my life. I probably learned more in the first three months of moving to Sydney than mm. I had the last 17 years of my life. So moving out of home for the first time, having to learn to cook, look after yourself. <laughs> do taxes do everything like it's it's a completely different experience so yeah it's definitely something that it's shaped who I am now definitely um but yeah I'm, I'm grateful for the experience I had kind of wish it went on a bit longer but I don't I don't I don't kind of regret I don't really have any regrets yeah. it's, it's more like now I understand a lot more as to who I was then and I guess who I am now and where the gaps are
0: was there any other nibbles from AFL clubs at any point? Did your manager go saying, "Oh, there might be something here. There might be maybe a rookie contract"? You just you know, not
1: not really. No, not like like I applied for the draft again and and whatnot, but didn't really have any much interest. Like only to be honest, I was probably pretty lucky to get drafted because I was, I wasn't, I wasn't one of these kids who. Like absolutely killed it in junior footy. Like, a, yeah. Like, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's gonna get drafted from the age of thirteen or whatever." Yeah. I was quite a late bloomer, and it wasn't until I developed and grew a bit more that I probably started to prick up a few ears. And I guess it really just—I probably only had two clubs who were interested in me before the draft, and, and and Sydney being one of them. Um, and and the fact that that now happened after the draft. Oh, sorry, after I've been delisted. Like, yeah. I don't think there was. Yeah, there probably wasn't too much interest. I've,
0: can I ask what's the biggest difference between the SANFL and AFL environment? Is it simply the training support? What do you, what do you think it is? I mean, cause you're an SANFL player now, we're going to get onto that soon, but what's the biggest difference from going, all oh, right, we're at the Swans and now, okay, we're at the Maggie's. Or, okay. or well, nope, we're at Panthers. You know, there's, there's obviously some difference in these being full time to compared to essentially part time. Yeah. So what's the biggest difference for you in those? Environments?
1: Um, I think that that's definitely a, the full time part time thing's a massive thing. Like having to go to work all day, like, at a of football, we go all of us go to work all day, spend eight hours at work, and then go spend three, four hours at training at night three yep. times a week plus on a weekend. That's a massive difference. The ability to like trying to find time to to do extra weights, to do extra recovery, to do all of that sort of stuff on an AFL list is is quite challenging having a full time job and, and everything like that. But then there's also positives in terms of AFL is very it's ve- it's a very cutthroat industry and it sometimes it can be like everyone thinks being on an AFL list, oh man, it must be great. Like it must—you just play footy, you just how good. But it, it it can become very very hostile in terms of if you're not performing, you it's it can be a very bad, like can be a very tough place to be. Like if you're constantly getting feedback that you're not doing what you need to do, like yeah. it, it can be a place and and you can't escape that being a full time job. So not being able to get out of the, the full time environment is definitely. A challenge sometimes. If if you're going well, it's it's great. Everyone's loving you, and you're basically just floating on air the whole time. But if you're if you're struggling, it's it's definitely a, a place where you can't get away from it, and it's it's quite a difficult place to be. So, and being injured is is even worse. So you're you basically you're not with the rest of the group for most of the time, and you're basically doing your own thing and slogging away in the in the dungeon as we used to call it you know, down at Sydney, and like riding a bike or on the roll or something like that for three, four hours a day, yeah. Um, no sunlight. So
0: was, there, was that there a point when you're in the rehab? Because we, we've heard this story a lot, rehab is hell, rehab is like mm-hmm. the most lonely place. Is there points like, I don't know about this AFL career at this point or is it more like I'm going to do the best rehab I can to get make sure I...
1: Yeah, I, th- I think at the time, it probably wasn't I'm going to do the best rehab. It was probably just tick the boxes, do what they t- tell me to do. Yeah, I guess these days, I, I guess I tell people that to in order to make it successfully in well in this case in an afl career yeah is that you need to do more than what's expected of you like just don't just do the bare minimum i think it's it's really important like that doesn't mean that you have to go out there and and, and smash yourself and do 10 extra k's of running a week and and three extra bike sessions and and all this extra stuff it's just you can't just get by by doing what everyone else is doing because if you do, if, if you're doing what everyone else is doing then i guess by uh, I guess definition you're just going to be the same as everyone else so if you want to yeah. get that edge on everyone else you got to do do a little bit more so whether that is more recovery more rehab more uh more education or it is focusing on all right well this is my area of deficiency I need to do more in that but yeah being being in re- being in rehab um is definitely not a place that you want to be in and as much as being an AFL player has its benefits like when you basically can't do your job because of injury, it's it's a tough place to be. Because particularly when you're on a on a one year contract like I was, you're trying to prove yourself, and then you feel like you actually can't do that because I I can't get out there and show them what I can do. So yeah, it's quite a quite a tough place.
0: Hard question next, mate. It really it hurts me to ask this, but does it hurt <laughs> to know that you didn't play an AFL game?
1: Yes and no. Not so much these days. Definitely at the time, it probably did. Probably still in my uh, early twenties, I guess that's all I ever wanted to do was to play an AFL game. Yep. Whereas now I kind of think oh, I'd be nice to play an AFL. Definitely, it would definitely be nice to play an AFL <laughs> game. But but my life isn't defined by that. Whereas I think that when I was in my teenage years and early 20s, my, like my, all I ever wanted to do was play AFL. And so if things, if that didn't happen, then, then my life was basically, well, what's the point in, yep. in, I guess, going to play footy every day and trying to get better if I'm not, I guess, trying to make it to the AFL. So I think I'm a lot more comfortable with it now. Um, and I guess it, I've also realized it's probably not as like cracked up to be what it is. Like, cause how many players do you know that have played AFL that either, A, you never even hear them anymore, but then also, yeah. then also be like, what are they actually doing post-FWD career? Like it's a, it's a short period of to- of your life. Whereas, now I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing because it's something that I've set up that I want to do for the rest of my life and, and it's something that I want to continue to achieve and get better and it's, there's no time frame on once I get to 35 or something that I have to give up this job because physically I'm not capable of it anymore. So I, I am a lot more comfortable with it these days. So
0: what would you say to someone who's just been delisted, whether that be sa NFL, AFL, what would, you, what would your advice be to them?
1: I think it's probably be is to sit down and actually – evaluate yourself in terms of what do you want to achieve what are your values what are your goals what what makes you passionate like a lot of people think that particularly like i think the public perception is that afl players all love playing afl which is one of the furthest truths, uh first thing from the truth because there are so many players that play afl because they're good at it yes they would have enjoyed it probably growing up and but there's so many people that do it because it's, it's their career. Like people... It's a job. Yeah, exactly. So if they if, if they were to get paid the same amount but not have to play football, they would happily, they'd happily do that. But yeah, I guess you, you get paid quite well to be an AFL player. So it's, there's, there's bonuses there.
0: Does that annoy you? Just a quick one. Like, does that annoy you that you, you really wanted to play, you really wanted to make a career and then you had blokes that may be playing, they may get 150 games and they're like, eh, it's just a job.
1: Yeah, <laughs> probably... Probably did at the time, but I guess it doesn't. Probably doesn't anymore because I I still think that if I was on an AFL list ten years later, would I still have the same drive and love of AFL? Because I remember when I rocked up, I, I was I love footy. Like I I would sit down on the couch and I was living with a few other guys and just I'd sit on the couch and what and they'd get angry at me for. They're like, why are you watching so much footy? Like all we do is footy. Why are you doing? And like, I love footy. <laughs> like so, having an AFL career as a job can it can beat your passion for football out of you because all you do is football. Yeah. Whereas now, like for SNFL, like like I, I rarely think about football except for when I'm actually physically having to go there and, and do yeah. it. I try and like take myself away from it as much as possible so that then when I do go down there, I I do enjoy it and I'm, and I'm grateful for the fact that I'm able to do that and it's not a grind and, oh, I have to go to training tonight. It's like, all right, well, I'm looking forward to going training and spending time with the, the guys down at the club.
0: Do you hate that? Do you hate that you like don't really – I guess have that passion so strongly that you did as a young one. Do you wish you had that still, or do you think no? This is this is what I needed to to get what I need to have to get.
1: No, I think I've got a lot more balance now. So it's it's funny. Even up probably up to about three th- three four years ago, if we had a loss, that would absolutely ruin my weekend. Like if I played poorly, <laughs> it would, I would be like I'd just be moping around the house and yeah, like, it, not want to speak to anyone about footy and all that sort of stuff. Whereas as these days, I kind of move on a lot quicker. So yeah, I kind of walk out the door, get home. I might like see my girlfriend and go. Oh, oh, there's there's worse things in life that could happen than losing a game of footy. So yeah, yeah, balance has been one that has allowed me to, I guess, focus on different things, not only just footy, which I think is is very positive.
0: It's interesting you say that. I mean, because you look at supporters. I mean. I know, as a supporter, if the power lose on the weekend, I'm having a bad week. I know I'm having a bad yep. week. I'm copping it from everyone, so it's interesting to have that balance. Yeah,
1: well, my mum, my mum always says that, but especially like ten, fifteen years ago, that if the power lost, my dad would absolutely like she wouldn't even bother going near him because he wouldn't wouldn't speak to her basically all week about anything because he was so upset about it. But again. Um, i think he's he 's gotten to be better at it these days, but um yeah, whatever well, you get
0: is- better at it is when the opposition supporters get into you then it gets
1: oh yeah well the, the <laughs> thing is uh, like like i go for uh, I now go for the power um having then moved back to to the magpies and playing there for a few years um prior to moving down to south and yeah i've most of my friends are crow supporters, and it's funny like there's probably three of us out of our group that are are power supporters, and if the crows lose nothing really gets said, but if the power lose, oh man, it is, oh, look, at, there's just all these different yeah. stuff getting absolutely thrown at us from every single direction. But then like, as soon as the Crows start losing, everything goes very quiet. So it's it's funny how that happens.
0: <laughs> uh, it's really interesting being on the different side of the fence and actually seeing it from the athlete's point of view, which is it's kind of refreshing to know that you go through the same trials sometimes. So. Yeah. Um. So you go back to Port Adelaide in the SA NFL eventually, how did that opportunity come about? Now, obviously, there is a relationship already there because you got drafted from there. You know, you're one of the rare Port Magpies that actually get drafted from there now mm-hmm. because of the new changes to rules and everything and how the club is run. So how did you get back?
1: Yeah, I think I just basically called them up and said, hey, I need a club to play with. Can I come back? Um, I love that. Yeah. So I think there was a couple of other clubs who approached me at the time from the SNFL about potentially like coming to play for them. But I'd, in my mind, it was always I was going back to Port Adelaide no matter really – it didn't matter, the like, I guess, price or how much money other clubs were going to offer me because Port Adelaide was the team that I'd grown up playing for, grown up loving, and there was no other club that I'd really wanted to play for. So, yeah, just ended up back there. And unfortunately, when I had to leave, it was, it was a bit of a tough time. Um it's probably one of the hardest decisions I've actually had to make was to, to leave Port Adelaide and go down the south. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, look back on it now and I'm very grateful that I, I did because of, I guess, the way things have turned out now. So,
0: I mean, let's go into that. So, you're back at the Magpies, you play for them through about three years and now you find yourself at South Adelaide. Talk us through how that went down because there was a lot going on at the time, there's a lot of change. Let's go through your perspective of that.
1: Yeah, so I guess probably, oh, what year was that? 2014. Yeah, 2014 um, was the final year of the Magpies. So that's the year where I started playing some league footy, and at the end of that year, they've basically told us, "Oh yeah, like Port Magpies are done as as we know it. It's now going to be basically a power reserve team. Still want a bunch of you guys to stay on and be top up players, essentially." And yeah, I, um, it was it was a really difficult time because there was a, a a lot of very passionate Port Adelaide supporters, players, administration people who thought that this was. The club getting ripped out from underneath them, which in a way it kind of was.
0: Yeah, it, it was an interesting time being a support supporter as well. I remember it; it was like the club got divided into, which is a shame because I don't think the club really tried to do that. But no. I can understand how the magpies. I think would have the, felt the way
1: that. that it the way that it's come about now is it it's very much one club as the, as they call it. Yeah. But at the time it, it it was there was a massive divide between the magpies and and the power, yeah. and. I guess from my point of view, at the end of that year, I had a few clubs, South included, who were pretty keen to to have me come down. And I remember meeting with Brad Gotch and Neil Sharp that year and they gave me the whole pitch about yeah. uh, where they thought I could play, um, the role they could see me playing, blah, 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 blah. And I guess on the other hand, I had put Adelaide saying, look, you're one of the ones that we want. We're not going after everyone. We can see a role for you. We actually potentially think that you, you could be capable of getting drafted in because – we're going to give you some opportunities to train the power, which was a great experience, and I think that's what for me it, it seemed like a, an avenue back to the AFL, and that was the decision that initially that I was like, well, this is this is my chance to potentially get back to the AFL. Mm-hmm. So yeah, s- stayed on and and then pl- ended up playing um, with the Magpies, and I think that was a, a really good decision personally for me. Like, well, who knows what would have happened if I'd gone down to South a year earlier, but it allowed me to establish myself as a good solid NFL league player which previous to that i hadn't and i was playing alongside some really great footballers from the power and was getting to train with them almost every week and and i learned a lot at that time and had gary hocking as my coach and he was a big believer in me and what i was that capable of doing but then at the end of the day it came finals time the, the power had a basically a full list so i think the only the only player that was still playing that wasn't a power play was Steve Summonen, who was the captain was the of the, captain the, Ma- of the Magpies. Well. So
0: I think there was even a point where Summo had to get dropped, wasn't there?
1: Uh, yeah. I think not, not that year. I don't think there was, yeah, but I yeah. think a, a year or two later there definitely was. Yeah. So to me, and then the, the, the Magpies went on to make the grand final and, and I'm, I missed out on that opportunity to play in the grand final. And to me it then became, well, I actually want to, I guess forge my own career and make my own destiny and having to rely on people to be injured or yeah. not play or it was, I didn't, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to allow my career to develop as I guess, as I wanted it to based on how I performed and what I did. So, cause it didn't matter. I remember there was a game where I kicked three goals and then two weeks later I was in the reserves cause yeah. um, <laughs> because of numbers, it was, it was crazy. So it was, a, it was a challenging time, but, yeah, it was definitely, it was a hard decision to leave because of the loyalty I had to Port Adelaide. Yeah, And they'd actually, growing up, I was living in the Eagles zone and, and Port Adelaide actually done a lot to actually get me in, into their to their zone. And like, I'd be forever grateful to, to Tony Bamford for what he did for me back when I was 16 years old. And I, I credit him for me being, I guess, the player I am today and the opportunities that I've had. So I, I felt a lot of loyalty to Port Adelaide. But at the end of the day, as I said, I wanted to, make my own career and and have my own destiny in my own hands. So it was the decision I made and yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's turned out now. How do
0: the other Maggie's feel about that once you, once you decide to stay, because not everyone got to stay as we yeah. know the, I mean, one of the big ones was Kirkwood leaving. That was a, that was a massive one yep. eventually got Summerton on board. I mean, there was a bit of, how, how would I say this? Um, simmering tension, I always say? Yeah. You know, we want to be fair to everyone here. So, I mean, did you get some messages like, how could you stay, you know, or what was it?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was, for me being a younger guy who hadn't had a huge amount of opportunity to play league footy, I think it, like there was, there was a lot of other guys who were kind of in the similar, similar boat to me who stayed. Summer was obviously the high profile guy that, that, that stayed and Henry Slattery was, yeah. was there at the time as well. But then, the rest of us were probably, those guys who were kind of on the fringe, weren't playing consistent league footy. So it was a good opportunity for all of us. So I don't think there was any negative, I guess, thoughts towards us for, for staying because ultimately probably 90%, well, I don't know what the percentage, but 90, 80, 89% of the people who were on the Magpies list at the time actually ended up going to clubs that weren't SNFL clubs. So there, there, was, a, there was a lot of guys that went to, to SNFL clubs, but then a lot of guys, especially the older guys like you, Jeremy Clayton's, Jimmy Micklejohn's, Michael Jones, Luke Slattery's—all that those type of guys—they kind of were like, "Well, oh, I don't really want to go somewhere else and restart my career," so um, they just went back and played local footy, and yeah, I guess changed where they were going. So, do you see the
0: Port Magpies as still the Port Magpies, or are they the Power Reserves now?
1: Uh yeah, it's it's probably more the, the Power Reserves yep. these days. Like, even the fact that they've they've now taken away the the Port Magpies logo.
0: Yeah, I saw, it was which, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's, I know, and I know that they're always going to keep the Guernsey and therefore they're trying to get the Guernsey into the AFL. But, and, and to be honest, if they do get the, the prison bar Guernsey into the AFL one day, I think that will almost signal the complete transformation of yeah. the magpies. Are now, Like the power is now the whole thing and the magpies are no longer the magpies. So, yeah. Would that at the
0: same time like say to you, yeah, okay, this is Port Adelaide as well? Because I think when yes. we look at that, it would be nice – well, as a poor fan, I know this is coming from a bias. So it'd be nice to say that we're all one port Adelaide now because I mean, supporters have been can beating the crap out of recently. Yeah,
1: you, so. no, I, I agree. Like, as a because as a, there's so many people out there who growing up were probably power fans or but were going for different SNFL clubs or or yeah. Magpies fans and going for the Crows or different AFL clubs. Whereas now it definitely does seem like if you're a power fan, you're also now a Magpies fan, essentially, yeah. for a, a lot of people. that's From from an outside view now, that's what it seems like. So you, you go to South. How does yep. that come about? So is it Brad Gotch again? I mean, what was Caballus going yep. through this? So, term? yeah, at the end of the next year, Brad Gotch and Neil Sharp again rang me and so I said they're, they're still keen on, on me. And I think it was a, a lot simpler conversation from their point of view in terms of i'd now establish myself as a league player and they're like well now this is we definitely think that this is where you can fit into our team and for me it was like yeah (laughs) the number one thing that was probably stopping me was the the travel (laughs) distance was because i i uh (laughs) I it's live. funny that
0: we say that. I mean, going for AFL, where well, you've had to go on planes for games, you know, and now you're in South Australia. You're like, oh, really, going the yeah. way down south? <laughs> yeah,
1: Well, I live in the <laughs> western suburbs, and South's probably the, the furthest club away from where I live, <laughs> which is funny. But apart from that, once once I got it past the fear factor of, of traveling down there three times a week, <laughs> I think that was it. Was made easier by like Matt, Matt Rose had moved down there, who's now the captain the year prior to me, and I'd I'd played footy with him since under 13s or something back at Port Districts. Yep. Um, Nick Schwartz, who's a family friend of mine who I've been friends with for a long time, went to school with, was also down there. So there was now familiar familiar faces, which made it a lot easier of a decision.
0: So what were the main differences that you noticed between South and Port Magpies? Because, I mean, when we look at the pure success, sadly, South has not had a lot. Yeah. And then obviously you've got the tradition of the Magpies winning all those premierships. Is it is a mindset change, is it environment, or is there similarities that you think? Because... I think South, while they haven't been successful in terms of premierships, recently they've been doing pretty well in finals and everything. There's been a couple of times that they've gotten close. So what were the, what were the differences, you think?
1: Yeah. As like, you said, there definitely were differences, but there was also similarities. Like in terms of differences, like Port Adelaide had a, a very, very strong history and club culture around the history, which I now believe South now, have, like we've developed that a lot more probably yeah. in, the, in the eight years that I've been there. And I guess South prior to going down there, I always thought of South like they're they're always a team that's kind of down the bottom of the ladder. They're, they're not doing that much. Like they, they weren't in my mind like a, a big player in the game S NFL. Whereas now I feel like we are a, a big team in terms of people. People hate coming down to play no longer, <laughs> which is a good thing because it makes a fortress really doesn't. Yeah, it? it's it's not only not, not only a tough place. It's a it's often cold and wet down there, <laughs> but um, it's also like we've developed a. a team and a a culture and a brand around what we're trying to do that we're a hard team to play against and we're never an easy beat but i think a major difference in south success over the last few years can be contributed to our junior programs and again tony bamford moved down there a a while ago now and took over the junior programs and and i think for a long time when i was when i was playing juniors at port adelaide south like we'd beat south by 100 points every time we played them like south zone wasn't strong at all whereas now our 16s and our 18s have been in the in oh, out of the last three or four years, almost been in every single grand final. So, um, our junior product, and you can see like guys like Jason Horn, who's coming through now, is he's easily the uh, the best young player that I've ever seen come through the ranks. And I'm actually very excited about what his future holds for him and what he can do.
0: What do you think? we be on the draft, a quick one on that because I think he's going to go very high.
1: Ah, uh, I I can't see why why. I think if you're a recruiter, it'd be silly not taking him at pick number one. To be honest, I know there's yeah. there's Dakos and a few other guys around there, but yeah, Horny's Horny does things that I've never seen anyone do on a football field. And from a guy who's 17 years old to do those things is incredible. Like he's and the thing I love most about him also is that he's uh, he doesn't take uh, any crap from anyone and it's like stands up for himself. And not he's not arrogant in in regards to how he, he's not walking around like, oh, look at me, I'm going to a go number one draft pick, I'm the best type thing. But yep. he, he he knows that he's a good player and he doesn't let anyone push him around and I, and I love that about him, especially from such a young young player. So on this, I mean,
0: because you've been playing for a South for a while now, it's not than too long ago that you got to play your 100th game. How proud of you of the career that you've been able to build yourself in the SANFL because, mate, you know slouch. I mean, seriously, 100 games, leading goal kicker in 2017, no matter what people say, there's some skill there, there's some talent, you've been on an AFL list and you, while your injuries have definitely played a part, you've been able to do pretty well for yourself when you're out there on the park.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it probably I probably didn't consider it as much until – like I had my 100th game, yeah, I said three, three or so weeks ago. And, yeah, my, like I guess my family put together a little bit of a celebration around yeah celebrating my 100th game and, and my partner made a, a nice little video of, of uh, I guess – my history of, in terms of through photos and videos of me playing across my hundred games. And I guess that, that was a time for I sat down and reflected and went, actually it's, it's actually a pretty good achievement to play a hundred SNFL games. There's not too many people out there that actually achieve that. And I've played, oh, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people I play with along the journey might've been better than me, more skilled, more talented, but there's so many people I've seen that just basically hit like a little speed hump and, Basically, give up and go. Ah, stuff. I'm just going to go back and play local footy, or I'm just going to chase cash, or anything like that. Yeah. And it's something that I've been proud of is the fact that even though I've, I've I've there's been plenty of times where I've got dropped, there's been plenty of times where I've got injured, that I've always kept going and kept moving forward and and really had a had a a goal that I want to achieve in terms of I want to play nFL football for as long as I can. Whether that means I play to I'm 35 or whether that means I play to the end of this year, I, I don't know. But i want to i want to keep performing my best at the highest level i possibly can for as long as i can which is it's funny it's funny I got, like you, you get you get calls every year from from local teams or country teams who <laughs> offer you let all this sort of stuff and particularly being a tall player it's everyone's everyone always needs a tall player it's funny like i don't know there's obviously a shortage of tall people out there but yeah i've been offered <laughs> all this sort of stuff but my goal, or my, I guess what I've always wanted to do is play at the highest level that I can for as long as I can. Yeah. Now, now if, if that happened to be AFL, then it would have happened to be, But now it's SNFL, so now I want to play for as long as I can at yeah, the highest level.
0: How tempting does it get when you get those country clubs coming at you? Because they can make some serious money, those players that go out there.
1: Yeah, I guess it, it, it can be tempting. It was probably tempting when I was a bit younger. But now, I guess, again, it comes down to your own personal values and what you want to achieve to me money isn't something that i value that highly in terms of obviously having having money is helpful but it's my goal isn't to become extremely rich and and have a a significant amount of money like i want to play football cuz i enjoy playing football and the thrill that i get out of trying to challenge myself and and the fact that every day every time i go to training i'm i'm trying to go to to there to help the team Win a, win a premiership, that's, that's a massive driver for me. So money's never been a driver for me and it's it's never been something that I've really considered that much at any stage throughout my career. And to be honest, if someone came to me and said, oh, I would offer you, I don't know, 50 grand to go play for the rest of the season at a local club, like, yeah, you'd definitely consider it. But I think what we're building at South and the history that we potentially could be creating in, in this season is something that's worth a lot more than than any dollar amount
0: all right man so we're into the last bit so how much did the decision to leave your job help you become the person you are now i mean when we when we come down to it is it the biggest factor of it is it what do you think
1: it def- it's definitely played a massive part i think again it, like it just relates back to that what i was just saying about money like if if i'd stayed it would have been purely due to stability and and money the fact that i had a stable job where i was getting a good income and It it came down to what do I actually want to achieve in life and was I happy just rocking up to work, doing my job and going home, which ultimately, no, I wasn't. I wanted to achieve something more than that and I wanted to, I guess, help people in the way that I believed that I could help people. So, yeah, it, it, it definitely played a massive role, yes.
0: Do you think there is a negative stigma about leaving something? So I talk about this with a lot of our guests. I mean, when we hear this negative stigma, I mean like people who quit. For example, like oh, you're a quitter. You know what I mean. And there's yep. a negative stigma connected around that. What do you think about that? Because in this situation, it looks pretty good that you left.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like it, it, sometimes it can look good, and sometimes it can look like people's lives can look better from the outside than what it actually is. Like with things like Instagram and Facebook and like these days, people put up their highlight reel. But I think that really it comes down to yes, there's there can be challenging times in terms of. Pressures from other people, or uh, pressures to to stay in a job, or pressures to keep a roof over your head because you bring in a certain amount of money and that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I think that it comes down to having belief in yourself and and not really caring what other people think about you. Like, if people think you're a quitter, big deal. Like, what is that? Is staying in a job going to be work like for the rest of your life going to be worse than someone calling you a quitter? Potentially, like <laughs> depends yeah. on who you are and what you're doing. So. How I guess you got to weigh out the pros and cons, and for me, the the cons of staying and what I was doing heavily outweighed the 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 pros of staying. So yeah, it definitely does play a role. Do you think people get too stubborn
0: and don't leave things when they really should? When it becomes you know, it becomes a
1: pride thing. If you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, so many people I know, so many people who are very, <laughs> very stubborn. Oh, you know, I did all this study, I spent all this money, I did all this, and then so I have to, I have to do this. And it's like, no, you don't. Like. that that you can change everything like what you want to do completely tomorrow if you want to like if you if you find enjoyment in something that you didn't know that you did up until now or you don't find enjoyment in what you're currently doing there's no reason why you shouldn't change but there definitely is people out there who are stubborn and some people won't ever change but i guess that's (laughs) that's up to them (laughs) okay last series one of them we'll get some
0: some quick fun ones away to end it all, mate. So what advice would you give to anyone who's considering leaving their job?
1: I think that, like I said before, consider whether the positives of leaving outweigh the cons of staying. Like if you're considering leaving your job, it already means that you, there's probably... There's
0: something pushing
1: you yeah, towards that. You're probably not <laughs> enjoying it the way you should. So if you're, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're never going to consider leaving it, you, no matter what it is so i think that you got you really just got to understand who you are and what you want to do and w- what you want to actually achieve in your life do you want to do you want to achieve success through helping others through i guess starting a family do you want to do what whatever whatever it is i guess you got to look at what your ultimate goals and what your values are in life and whether staying in that job is going to fulfill them or if it's not how can you then i guess Start something else. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a business or anything like that. But, and I, and I say to the people all the time, you can you can continue to do what you're currently doing, but but dabble in bits and pieces, do some courses, go to some conferences, go to some expos or of something around what you're you're thinking of doing. Start a, a little side hustle business, yeah. and 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 really see if it is what you want to do. And then without, because if you've got a family or a house or something, and having the financial commitment, it can be quite tough. So you can't just leave your job and start something brand new. So dabble in it and and test it first to see if it is something that you, A, like to do and B, if it can work for you and then therefore you can eventually build up to to leaving and and starting somewhere else. Nice one, mate. So we'll do some quick ones just to end it off. Um,
0: Who was your favourite teammate you've ever had? Oh, geez, that's a very hard (laughs) He's about to tick off some teammates. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think in terms of who I love playing with and who I love watching, I think like Joel Cross is, is definitely uh, like I admire his ability to do the amazing things on a football field. For a guy his size and uh, he, uh, it's just, you see him do things that you're like, how, how can this guy be doing this sort of stuff? And from an admiration point of view, he's definitely number one. Best coach? Oh. Or- it's hard. Might I want guess. to name your current one. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, I think there's each of my coaches have have had different benefit, uh, different positives to them. But I think into Jared Wright is is definitely an amazing coach in terms of his passion, his ability to process games and um, understand opposition and and how they work is 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 really good, and that's definitely a very beneficial thing. And his connection to the players uh, I know you hear a lot these days that, but the connection to, to players is is, an, is a massive thing his, his, his has probably been the best out of all the coaches I've had but then other coaches like Brad Gotch and Gary Hocking were both like like geniuses in terms of how the, the game was played and tactics and that type of thing probably sometimes to their detriment but <laughs> yeah they, they had the, that that side of it which was really good Worst spray you ever copped during your career? Do you think of one? Oh, I've copped a few <laughs> um I remember there was a game after West Adelaide where I, I had two snaps late in the game and missed them both. Oh. And, yeah, I reckon it was in, in Buffer's first year, Jared Wright's first year as coach. And, yeah, I think he, 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 get, he let me know about it um, <laughs> that, that time. So I remember leaving that game feeling not very good about myself. But, yeah, that was, that's probably the one that stands out. True or false,
0: the power will win a premiership in the next five years. I
1: hope it's true. But... <laughs> If you asked me 12 months ago, I would have said definitely true. It's just so hard. Like, there's so many good teams now. Like, I I think that that Port have gone up. Like, Port have gotten better, but I think there's just a couple of other teams who have accelerated ahead of them. So, I think they definitely have the list too, and they've got a good core bunch of players. So, I'm going to say yes.
0: Will South break the premiership drought this year? Yes. Oh, nice. I like that confidence straight off the bat. Favourite AFL player?
1: Probably... Like I, I admire Travis Boak for the way that he goes about things, um, particularly after having like two years ago or whenever it was where he, it looked like he was almost done with his career to be able to come back and, I guess, now be playing. At, he's one of the elite players of the game still. And just his longevity, like something we speak about all the time at Nexa, that longevity is something that's very, well, very important to us and something that we strive to do is we don't focus on becoming a good player for a short period of time. We We, we want to focus on how can we become a great player for an extended period of time so he's one that i admire
0: and last one favorite SA sanfl player from another team oh that's a
1: good question um i don't like too him. many other <laughs> uh, well I've, i'm good mates with tom schwartz from north adelaide so i'll say him tom. just just to keep him happy
0: <laughs> well thank you for the interview mate i really appreciate you coming on the leavers podcast when i I look at this interview process-driven. I think that's one of the main things that I've got out of this, and just taking positive steps, doing what you want to do. I really appreciate it, and I hope it's helped someone out there, mate. So thanks for your time, and
1: great to to meet you, you, mate. Cheers.
0: A very different sort of interview, wasn't it, this one? I really found it interesting just how process-driven Ben is and the willingness to challenge himself. Now, most people might be wondering why do you want to put yourself through that but i think this is not just for athletes we all enjoy a challenge for example people who play video games they want to get high scores people who want to do the business world want to get more money they want to get to a higher place they want to grow their business so i think there is more relatable factors than we think for some people i really hope that you got something out of this because i really got out of it how to look at my life taking it step by step what can i do better And take those little steps. I admit I'm one of those people that always fall to big goals, and you know, I'm always very ambitious, but sometimes I really forget that there's a process to that, and I need to take that process. So, I really hope that you got something out of this. I got a lot out of it, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a bit different, wasn't it? And Ben's such a a wonderful person because he has learned from his own mistakes and now he's putting it into use, very much like Tim Brenton, who we've interviewed before. But it's in different ways. He's still going down that elite pathway, and really trying to increase their their mental strength, their physical strength, and make sure it's still you know usable in other ways outside of sports. So it's more of education, and I think anyone that's willing to go into education and help people really deserves a pat on the back. And still a wonderful SAFL career and got to an AFL list. You can't take that away from Ben. So well done to you, mate. Really appreciate having you on the podcast and. Yeah, I think you're going to help a lot of people. So, anyway, um, tune into the next episode of the Levers podcast and we'll see you then.
1: This was a smashed gnome production.